Spread the fire, welcome back to SMWX. And in today's episode, I wanted to just share my thoughts on two things that have been happening recently in South Africa's public discourse, two things that I think are actually linked, but we often don't link. And that is this debate over gratuitous displays of the apartheid flag and the recent racial incident at Stellenbosch University where a white resident student urinated on the belongings of a black student. Now, these two incidents may appear disconnected, but I think ultimately at their heart, there are interesting intersections. The Cizwe Mbofu Welsh Experience Podcast. So let's talk about this idea of the apartheid flag. Now, I was surprised to see that my book's cover actually made it into this court case because my book takes the apartheid flag, mixes it with the South African flag in a provocative way to say that there are important resemblances between the injustices of apartheid and the injustices that we see in South Africa today. This is different to equating the two but it is a comparison between the two, and that's what my book tries to do. It tries to assess the extent to which South Africa has actually overcome the legacy and the afterclap of apartheid. But I was interested to see what kind of arguments AFRI Forum was going to try and marshal to defend effectively gratuitous displays of the apartheid flag. And effectively what AFRI Forum tried to do And this is a mistake that most so-called free speech advocates, who I don't really think are free speech advocates, I think they are hate-defending advocates, Um, what they tend to do when it comes to these disgraceful symbols of oppression, when they try to defend them, they constantly put the shoe on the foot of the person who is displaying the flag or who is making the racist or hateful remark. And they go into their minds and they try to psychologize them and they say, well, what if this person thinks this? Or what if their intention is that? Or what if they aren't racist, but they want to display it for an artistic purpose? Or what if there's a protest? Or what if, what if, what if? But you'll see that what unites all of these arguments is that it takes the perspective of the person who is perpetrating this act of potential hate and then tries to psychologize and explain why they would do that and give reasons why in certain instances and circumstances that person's perspective may be justified. But that is a deeply impoverished way of looking at the way that speech, communication and acts of expression happen in a democratic society where there is not just one person whose freedoms are in question, but there is an entire social network between which communication must happen. And so not only should we look at questions of, for example, the gratuitous display of the apartheid flag from the perspective of those who display it, we have to, in a society as complex as ours with its history, also take the perspective of those for whom the display may be intended, or those who have no idea what the display is about but would see Uh, a gratuitous, non-artistic display of the flag and have to come to their own conclusions. 
So what I think most of these advocates for the gratuitous display of the apartheid flag are forgetting, and the crucial mistake in their argument, and the crucial defect in their viewpoint, is that they continuously deny the experience of those who receive the gratuitous display and attempt to explain the justifications of those who display the flag. Dis those who display the flag, to be sure, do have freedoms, but those freedoms always have to be juxtaposed against those who are receiving the display, whose dignity may be deeply, profoundly, and grossly assaulted. And so, quite frankly, who cares what the intentions are of someone who's gratuitously displaying the apartheid flag? Because no matter what those intentions are, we know for a fact that the receiver of that gratuitous display will be in a position of deep harm, uh, of justified offense, and potentially on the receiving end of history's worth of hate, which culminate in that symbol. And so this notion that these centuries worth of hate which would be brought to bear on someone's mind, on someone's emotions, on someone's uh, very being in the world can be explained away by the person who's displaying its strange psychological state uh, is to me a bizarre argument which puts the cart before the horse or maybe doesn't even include a horse and just pulls a cart along, um, if you will. So that's, on, that's that on the apartheid flag. Now, acts of hate are quite similar to symbols of hate. And this is where the Stellenbosch University student comes in. Because, as is always predictable, those who seek to defend racial incidents, acts of racial hatred, always suggest that we can go inside the mind of this person who may have committed a, raci a racially uh, abusive incident, and we can explain away their act in a way that doesn't have anything to do with racism. Now, that is often not true, but let's assume that's true for the moment. Let's assume that the Stellenbosch student didn't know whose room they were going into, didn't know uh, what they were doing, were inebriated and were out of their senses, and, and just also had some kind of mental illness, right? Let's, let's just assume all of those extenuating circumstances. Socially and pol politically, that does not detach the act from the racial politics and the racial dynamics and the racial inequalities in South Africa. And so when someone who's black is on the receiving end of an act of injustice from someone who's white, whether the person who's white has an intention to perpetrate a racial act is actually quite incidental to whether that act is received on behalf of the black person and indeed on behalf of the black people in society who are looking onto that act, whether that act is received as mirroring the social patterns of injustice and racism that persist in South African society. And so again, we continue to mix up the structural inequities in our society, which are incontestable, for which the data is incontrovertible and for which the history is a mounting mass of evidence. We continue to confuse that dynamic of our society 
with the psychological impulses of certain people who happen to be playing into those dynamics. And this is again why we need to update and evolve our understanding of racism and acts of racial abuse away from merely premeditated intentional acts. And to be sure, many of them are. Indeed, maybe the Stellenbosch students' acts uh, lean towards an obvious premeditated act of racial violence. But even in the absence of obvious premeditated intentional acts of individual racial violence, because of the structural direction of our society and also because of the structural history of our society, acts where white people commit violence against black people, where white people are in positions of power and black people are in positions of subordination are inevitably going to be implicated in racial politics and racial dynamics. And there is nothing that any free speech advocate can do to avoid the sheer weight and the welter of the evidence of that history and the logical conclusion that a society that is deeply racist and is deeply embedded in racial injustices will always have those racial injustices rear their heads in interpersonal acts regardless of the intentions and the psychological predispositions of the actors involved. And so my hope is that when we discuss these questions of racism, these questions of racist symbols, racist actions, which cause a furore in our society, we move beyond this interpersonal psychologizing of the potential racist acts towards a deeper structural analysis of the way that certain acts, whether intentional or not, feed a deeper structure of racial inequality, which itself needs to be uprooted. And that may not have legal consequences because the law may not be nimble enough or far-sighted enough to always appreciate deep structural injustices. We see this in questions of gender. We see this across the law. The law is not a perfect tool for resolving injustice. But that doesn't mean that at the level of society, at the level of politics, at the level of public discourse, that we don't raise these questions and tell the truth about the way our society is structured and the racial and many other imbalances which have to be taken into account whenever incidents or symbols like this are invoked. Spread the fire. Welcome back to SMWX. And see you next time. Aye, aye. The Caesar and Welsh Experience Podcast. Aye, 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 aye.